and thank you so much for tuning back into Homecoming, a podcast that provides the space for people who identify as Asian, Asian American, and Pacific Islander to share their stories, experiences, and insights about a variety of different topics. Before I get started, I first wanted to say that I hope all of you guys are holding up and doing the best you can. Um, I know that this is just a really overwhelming and emotional time for everyone, but especially for Black folks out there. And there's obviously a lot going on right now with so many people around the country protesting the killings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and so many others. Um, And I also know that there has been a lot of activity on social media as well of people posting resources and actionables for how people can step up and educate themselves and interrogate themselves and their own biases and also how people can approach conversations about racism and anti-Blackness. And I mean, I know that right now everything is just so overwhelming and confusing and it just feels like everything is just crumbling all around us and I just wanted to say first to all the black and african-american folks out there I hope that you are making sure to take care of yourselves to the best of your ability and also that seriously From the bottom of my heart, I am with you and supporting you and thinking about you. And honestly, if I can support you further in any way, please let me know. And I mean, I also know that that burden of reaching out to people shouldn't rest on your shoulders. So know that I am here for you and that you've got a friend and a supporter and an ally in me. Um, So... For this episode, I've just been going back and forth this past week about whether or not I should actually do it because the timing just really seemed off and I didn't feel like I should be spotlighting myself. Um, But also, I created a schedule for homecoming um, several months ago and this episode just, you know, happened to fall in this time slot in the schedule. So, I wanted to apologize before I started because I don't want to detract from everything that's going on right now. And I don't want to um, detract or take away any focus on the Black Lives Matter movement. And I was honestly thinking about replacing this episode with another one, but then also the other episode didn't feel right with the timing and I didn't want to not make an episode. Um But yeah, so this episode will be a get to know your host. Um, And clearly it's more casual than usual because it's just me today. But I also wanted to add that, yes, I am going to talk about my life and answer questions that you guys sent me. But also... I'm making sure to add in this episode, I like want to take the time to explain how I am going to try to be a better ally and what I plan on doing in the future to help support and uplift people of color 
Um, so actionables for myself. So I keep myself accountable. And I think this will also be a good reflection exercise. Um, but before getting into all of that, I wanted to say that I'm really, really looking forward to next week, next week's episode. Um, and you all should too, because next Saturday I'll be having an open conversation with four of my black and Asian friends on black and Asian solidarity, support, and struggle, as well as this so-called social media activism that's been happening a lot recently. And I do think it's super important to have this conversation now because, you know, Asian Americans, like, we don't live in a vacuum, and our history in this country is tied to the history of so many other groups of people in the U.S. and racism, both Overt racism and more masked racism does exist in the Asian and Asian American community and in ourselves and in our friend groups and families, um, especially when it comes to talking about Black people. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I hope you guys are too, because the conversation's going to be a lot. It's probably going to be really messy and confusing and emotional and not the most eloquent, but. That's okay because that is what a conversation about race is going to look like. Um, so just make sure to keep that on your radars. Uh, but now moving on to the get to know me. So I wanted to do a get to know your host, Angel Rena episode because I feel like I didn't really introduce myself and talk about myself too much in the first episode. And I think... Yes, homecoming is all about passing the mic and centering on the guests' lives and stories. Um, but also, I think if the guests are willing to be so vulnerable and emotional on this podcast, and this is a podcast that encourages vulnerability and emotion, um, I feel like it's only right that I also am vulnerable and open up parts of me to show you guys so that you, the listeners, maybe feel more comfortable listening to Homecoming and feel like you are actually someone who is coming along this podcasting journey with me. Um, so the first part of this episode will be more of a monologue, I guess, or a hometown for people who know what that is um, and for people who don't. So before school started, I did one of Yale's first year outdoors orientation trips, um, also called foot. And a big part of that orientation trip, um, besides hiking up mountains, was something called a hometown um, in which both the first years and your orientation leaders would share your life story and whatever you're comfortable sharing about your childhood, your family issues that are really important to you, um, really anything that makes you the person you are today. So I thought I'd do something like that first and then afterwards do a mini Q&A session because a week or two ago I asked people on Instagram to send me some questions, um, you know, ask you know, whatever people wanted to know about me. So for that part, I'll bring in my younger sister who's making her debut on the podcast and she'll come in and ask me those questions. 
So again, I know this is a really difficult time for people. So, you know, just go at your own pace. And also like, you know, I've got a lot to say about the social media activism and what many of us can do better to support the black community. But I'm going to save many of those thoughts for next week's episode. Um, So again, like keep that on your radar. And most of my thoughts will be in that episode. Okay, so let's get started with the hometown. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Angel Raina Choi. Uh, My Preferred gender pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am a rising sophomore at Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut. I was born in Rolla, Missouri uh, on November 28, 2001. And Rolla, for those of you who don't know, is a very small rural town in the middle of nowhere in Missouri. Um, It's two hours from St. Louis, basically, and two hours from Kansas City. So really in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I think right now the population is around 20,000. But when I was growing up, it was more 16, 17,000, I think. But I was born on November 28th to my mom and dad. My mom is from China, and my dad is from South Korea. And my Chinese and Korean identity definitely played a very big role, definitely has played a very big role in my life, although it's been a pretty tumultuous relationship, I would say. Um, And I'll definitely talk about that more, especially when my Chinese and Korean-ness or lack thereof really came to the forefront of my mind after I started going to high school. So I'll talk about that later. But um, fun fact, my name is actually a combination of their countries. Uh, So I was born in the US, right? I was born in Missouri. So the first part of my name is Angel. And both of my parents are Christians. So Angel, it represents America because America is sort of God's country, right? And then that was the first part of my name. Then R-E-A, the next part of my name is the end of the word Korea. And last two letters, N-A is the end of the word China. So together makes Angel Rena. So it's a combination of all three countries that play a very big role in my identity. And that's always something that people are super surprised about. But growing up, I grew up in Rolla, Missouri, and I and I stayed there for around 15 years, 14, 14 years, I think. Um, but growing up there, my family was super loving, and I'm so lucky to have had a family like that. But it was also pretty crazy and hectic and tumultuous at times because I think this is something that a lot of people and maybe in the Asian, Asian American community can relate to is that my parents were very strict, but also they were incredibly loving, but it was sort of more of that tough love, I guess. 
And I think also a lot of this strictness came from how my parents worked in the restaurant industry and how they worked so incredibly hard and for so many hours, six days a week. And I think from a very early age, they told me that, you know, I don't want you and your sister to have a life like this, um, like us. We want you to be successful in your own way. And the way you're going to do that is by working hard, by studying hard, going to school, focusing on your schoolwork and focusing on getting an education. And a lot of that came through when I think about how even though they were working all of these long hours and trying to scrape by, like barely scrape by, um, is when even though they were super tight on funds, they would still support me in all of my endeavors. So, you know, growing up, I, I, I took, I did dance for a little bit. I did gymnastics. I did swimming. I played golf for a little bit. I played basketball, which I shouldn't have. Um, I played musical instruments. I did all of these different things. And just thinking about that and how much money and time that required, I'm just very incredibly lucky to have parents who, even though they were struggling, still put me first. And that really, really means a lot. And that has um, definitely shaped me to be the person I am today. And the thing is, yeah, also I want to mention that I'm not ashamed that my parents work in the restaurant industry. Like, I feel like growing up, I was very ashamed of that because a big thing about Rolla is that it wasn't super diverse, um, majority white, like very homogenous. But there was this university in my town called... um, It used to be called UMR, but now it's called Missouri University of Science and Technology. And there in that school, there was there were a lot of international students and a lot of my friends, parents worked at S&T who were professors there or worked at this local science slash engineering company, you know, so they were relatively well off, whereas I was not like that. And so I feel like I felt very ashamed of that. Well, not very ashamed, but I did feel sort of self-conscious about that. But now I realize, like, why should I be ashamed of, like, what my parents do? Like, what matters is that they were loving and supportive and they were my parents and they put me first and they sacrificed so much for me. And so why should I be ashamed of that? Right. So, yeah. And... As for race, so as I mentioned, Rolla was pretty racially homogenous, very white. And since it's a rural town, you can imagine how there were a bunch of very uh, racist people and just people who lived in rural areas. And you can sort of paint your own picture for that. But yeah, I, I attended Rolla Public Schools until ninth grade. And then I'll talk about where I went to high school. But yeah, I I went to Rolla Public Schools all basically the majority of my childhood. And the education wasn't amazing, like in the least. 
But yeah, I I was bullied a lot when I was growing up in my town because there weren't that many Asians or people of color going going to these schools, these public schools. And so the main thing that I just remember is just growing up is bullying and people just saying a bunch of racial slurs and stereotypes about Asians. And like that started so early and continued all throughout until like, like even in ninth grade, that was, there was a bunch of stuff that was being said about me to my face. And now that I think about it, I really do wish people stuck up for me um, because at that time I was very afraid of speaking up and saying something because that wasn't really who I was. Like I wasn't that bold and outspoken and outgoing and I was just afraid of speaking out and stepping out of line, I guess. But now, like, I see on Instagram and other social media platforms, like, white people from my town who are posting in support of Black Lives Matter and saying they support people of color. But it's like, that is a prime example of how some people's posts can be super performative. Because it's like, where were you all those times when... There were people of color in your own community who you didn't stand up for. And I think I would definitely urge those people to think a little more deeply about their own prejudices and their own experiences. Um, But I do think that more Asians and Asian Americans should be like, you know, like not afraid of calling people out and being like, that's wrong. Like, don't do that. Like, why are you doing that? Um, And I think it's definitely super hard. But I think when you've got supporters and allies and your friends who also make sure to stick up for you, which I didn't have that. um, I think when you have friends who are willing to um, help you and like speak out for you, like that can also be very helpful and powerful. Um, But I didn't have that, unfortunately. So I didn't feel strong enough to speak out. And I wish I did looking back. And also I realized that among Asians, there was more of a, I I wouldn't say among all Asians, right? Like I think in general, there was a certain tension or rivalry, even though I was friends with, I think, a lot of Asians um, in the public school system in my town. But I do wish I had personally done a better job of developing closer relationships with other Asians in the community and building a sense of solidarity with people so we could have helped each other out um, when we were, you know, getting stereotyped and all that and, like, pushed around. So I I do wish I had done a better job of that uh, looking back as well. But yeah, all of these racial incidents made me really want to do something about it. And it made me super committed. Like I I thought, like ever since a young age, maybe like 
seventh, eighth grade, like I want to do something in the world that makes this an easier time for people of color and minorities who are getting bullied, who suffer physical and emotional violence. Like I want to do something about the world we live in to make this whole situation and growing up and going to school an easier time for people. Um, and so they, they don't have to suffer these terrible things while they're trying to just get an education. So I made that commitment to myself very early on. Um, and for any Asians, Asian Americans, other people of color out there, if you are one of the only one of the few people of color in your very, very white town and are getting bullied and are getting hurt, like I stand with you and I'm here for you if you ever want to reach out and talk about it and talk about what you're facing because I went through a probably a similar experience. And yeah, if you're I know you guys are out there and things will get better. There are people out there who support you and have gone through similar situations as you have and are here to support you. And again, if you want to talk about it, like I'm here to discuss that. Okay. So then in August 2016, I started attending... Phillips Academy um, in Andover, Massachusetts. And Andover is basically a boarding school um, because I was just very clearly not being challenged by my public school system. And I had honestly just really wanted to get out of the town and just like, it was just very toxic in a lot of ways, as I've mentioned so far in the episode. But I still remember the day I got my acceptance letters from Andover and and another boarding school. And it was just one of seriously the happiest days of my life. Because not only did I, you know, was I given this chance to attend these schools, but also I had the opportunity to go to them because of their super generous financial aid packages. And just knowing that I would be able to go to these schools and get such a great education for free was just so relieving for me and my parents. And, you know, that honestly just meant the entire world to me. So in August 2016, I started going to Andover. And there I... I learned and stayed for three years. And I think those were definitely some of the toughest times that I had experienced in my life because, you know, I was away from home and I thought a lot about how I was missing out on opportunities to help my parents during really difficult times in their lives. And also it was just so challenging also academically and it felt really really overwhelming so many times but I think you know I experienced some of my lowest lows at Andover but I got through it somehow um 
Well, I got through it definitely with the support of my friends. And I met some of my best, best friends at Andover. Um, and I treasure our friendships and all the relationships I made there. And I think I also got through it through with the support of a lot of adults on campus. I think I met several adults who were like my second moms. Um, I told them everything uh, and they helped me get through so many tough times just by talking with me, by allowing me into their lives and um, just supporting me in ways that I'm just incredibly lucky and grateful for. Um, and yeah, so Andover was this crazy roller coaster, but I think I often put Andover on a pedestal because I had met such amazing friends and adults who were on my support in my support system and on my team. And so therefore I really thought highly of Andover. And I think looking back, I was oblivious to a lot of issues or, or maybe I wasn't oblivious. Like I knew, like I was aware that the faculty wasn't as diverse as definitely not as diverse as it could be. Um, I knew that there were tensions between the student and the administration. And I, I knew there was an issue, there were issues of how, what Andover was doing to support its students of color. And, but I think I was just way too enamored with Andover at the time to really think deeply about these issues. And that's something that I so, so regret looking back now. And I wish I had done more and I wish I had thought about that more and spoken out and challenged that, you know, and challenged the administration. Um, so that's definitely something I really regret. Also a big thing when I got to Andover, like I've started finding a lot of, you know, when I went into Andover in 10th grade, I thought, okay, I am going to try to actively seek out the Korean students group and the Chinese students group because like I said in while I was in Rala I really wanted to commit myself to learning about more more about race and racial issues and racial theories and more about my Asian identity and Asian American history and so I actively sought out these groups um, my first year but I felt super isolated by these two groups and I distinctly remember I mentioned this in an earlier episode um but I mentioned how when I went to like the Korean welcome barbecue, everyone was speaking Korean. I immediately felt isolated because of that because I couldn't speak Korean. And so I was like, okay, these people aren't really making an active effort to sort of bring me into the community and get to know me. And I found, and like, this isn't, this wasn't a one-time thing. Like I found this to be sort of a trend um, in the coming years as well. And then also for the Chinese Students Association, like, I also remember going to, I think it was maybe a Chinese New Year dinner and someone telling me like I wasn't Chinese, even though I am half Chinese. And so that also felt very isolating. And I and I think from, from there, I was just very confused as to 
why these groups weren't being as welcoming as I had expected, maybe. And from then, I feel like I, I continue to think about my Chinese and Korean ethnicities. But I also started to distance myself from the qualities of these groups that I didn't find very inclusive and welcoming. And what I mean by that is I actively rejected this idea that you had to speak a certain language in order to identify as a specific race or and identify with a certain ethnicity. And I actively rejected the idea that if you're mixed race, like you don't have equal claim to both of your races or both of your ethnicities, if you're um, bi-ethnic. And so I actively rejected I- those ideas. And I tried to make myself a- think in a manner that was more welcoming to people. Um, but, you know, uh, fast forward to senior year and going to college. So I ended up going to Yale um, in New Haven. And I chose Yale mostly because I wanted something different from Andover. And I think especially senior year, I realized how in a bubble I was at Andover. You know, I thought it was time to progress my thinking and have something different and think more deeply about the issues that I wish I thought about earlier. And so that's why I chose Yale. And at Yale this past year, one of the biggest communities that I've been a part of is with the Asian American Cultural Center or the AACC. And there actually this past year, I worked as one of the first year coordinators. And there I met so many people who were inspiring and so knowledgeable and I think at Yale that's where I started to realize that wow like this Asian community this like Asian American Cultural Center staff at least like they come together and we talk about current events we talk about politics we talk about social issues and we're not afraid to have conversations about it and we know that there is more to our our identity than just more superficial things. And that's when I realized that, wow, I'm really interested in legal work and legal power and activism and advocacy. And working at the Asian American Cultural Center really made me think about how I could push the boundaries and expand the groups of people that I'm engaging with like for example like how can I build more cross-cultural solidarity and bring people together through events that I'm planning at the Asian American Cultural Center like how do I uplift people of my own race and my own ethnicities but also bring to the table others and like have conversations across races and across cultures and so I guess looking forward to the future I am really interested in pursuing law and social justice because I think legal power and the justice system is just really important, especially right now, to have people of color, you know, sort of have these positions of power. And 
also like this quarantine has been super useful for me to think about how I can take better care of myself so that I can be a better supporter and an ally to other people. And, you know, I've solidified some of my goals and I've just think been thinking a lot about what I can do to be a better supporter of Black people, my own Asian communities, and also other people of color. And a big thing that I'm thinking about is, first of all, breaking down my own biases, because I feel like there's been a lot of information, a lot of negative information, a lot of stereotypes um, and racist things that have been sort of funneled to me by family members and other people of all different races. And I'm thinking about like how I can really break those down and think about it with both logic and emotion. Like for example, um, when I think about something that's racist, that's told to me and been like pressured onto me for a really long time, I think, where is this person coming from? Why is this wrong? Why exactly am are they thinking that way? Why am I thinking this way? And like, I think it's super important to for people to interrogate their own biases and own racism and just own up to it, you know? And so I've been thinking a lot about that and how I can break things down, be emotional and logical, and reject certain things that I've believed to be true, but just are morally wrong. And also thinking about how I can calm myself down and come at conversations with people I disagree with, with a certain level of respect and understanding. And um, right now, I'm, I'm also just trying to learn. And for example, I just bought Just Mercy um, by Brian Stevenson and reading it. So, and, and we'll be reading it soon once I get it. So if anyone is interested in having conversations about it, like, let me know. And also, I... The other day I came across this huge Google uh, Drive folder of different Black revolutionary texts and it's organized by um, author and, 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 and authors and topics. So, you know, thank you to Elijah Webb, I think. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but you guys should definitely check out um, their social media platform and also the Google Drive compilation that they've created. It's so amazing. So I'm also trying to slowly get through um, those readings as well. And I will put the link to that in the Homecoming Pod uh, social media platforms as well. But yeah, I think right now I'm just trying to learn, listen, educate myself and you know, right now I feel like I have a purpose. I have actionable steps for myself. And so I'm pretty confident that I will be able to find my way alongside others and with others' support and 
um, me supporting other people as well. And I'm confident that all of us will be together, will be able to make a meaning, in, meaningful impact on the country and on the world in, in some way. So yeah, that was my hometown. That was way longer than I had expected. But I, I hope you guys somewhat enjoyed learning about me. And um, I really hope that while I was talking, you sort of maybe saw similarities or things that you maybe disagreed with and are sort of trying to question your own biases as well. And I hope it's making you think about yeah, your own prejudices and thinking about your own life and how different experiences um, and things that you've been told has shaped you to be the person you are today. And again, I'm willing to have a conversation with really anybody. I mean, right now I am relatively free. So if you all want to have a conversation about anything, like I would love to, um, whether it's, you know, via FaceTime or on a podcast episode, like it really doesn't matter. So uh, yeah, definitely let me know. So now moving on to the second part of this episode, as I mentioned before, I was going to do more of a question and answer. Um, And thank you so much to everyone who submitted questions a couple of weeks ago on uh, my Instagram and on the homecoming podcast, Instagram at homecoming pod. I really appreciated all of your insightful questions and I'm excited to answer all of them. And For the second part, I've also brought my younger sister, Gloria, on the podcast, making her podcast debut. Um, So she'll just be here asking me the questions and offering any additional commentary if she has any. So Gloria, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, um, I'm Gloria. I'm a rising junior at Phillips Academy. Um, Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks, Gloria. Um, Do you want to start with the questions? And again, like, feel free to offer any follow-ups or commentary if you have it. Sure. Okay, so question one. What have you been up to in quarantine? Quarantine. Well, you know this. (laughs) Yeah. But I guess most of it. So we've been home since March and I think it's just been a really good time to spend with family because I think for a lot of boarding school kids out there, like this is the first time they've spent such an extended period of time with their families in so long, you know? Um, and I've seen a lot of boarding school kids and a lot of my friends from Andover say a very similar thing. Um, and so that's been really great because I haven't spent this much time with my family, with my parents since yeah since ninth grade and like that's pretty crazy to think about um but yeah we've just been hanging out at home a lot I'm also currently taking two classes uh through Yale summer Yale summer session and that's been really great because uh I think it sort of gives me the opportunity to take a couple of classes that are like required for my intended major. Oh yeah, I, I realized I didn't really talk about this earlier, but I'm interested in pursuing either um, an economics major or an ethics, politics and economics, AKA EP&E major. Um, but yeah, I think this is a really great time for me to pursue and take courses that are sort of 
required for some of my majors, but also um, our requirements for to graduate or graduation requirements or just like super interesting. So I'm taking an ethnicity, race and migration course um, on food and another anthropology course on um, human evolutionary biology. And there's actually a lot of overlap between the two. And both the courses are super cool and really relevant to like the current events right now. So that's also been really cool. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to the second question. Um, How do you stay connected to your Asian American identity at Yale? And I guess since we're um, back at home, you can also kind of connect it to how that branches out while you're here. Mm -hmm. Or Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, that's true. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, I worked at the Asian American Cultural Center at Yale, and that's been a big part of my Yale experience and like where I've found a home. And I plan on working there next year and like for the entirety of my Yale career. Um, And so being around a lot of Asians and talking about Asian American history and current events and how we can better support Asians in our Yale community has been really powerful and very comforting to see. And especially because I wasn't super folk like involved in a lot of Asian groups while I was at Andover. I feel like this is a real, uh, this is a time where I sort of need time and space to focus on my own identity and think about, um, think more deeply about it. And so that has been really, really good for me to just learn and educate myself and just be in the present moment and just in the presence of a bunch of Asians and just talk through issues with them. And not to say that like, I'm not trying to do any cross-cultural solidarity because like I mentioned before like that is super and super important to me but I think right now I'm also trying to learn about my own identity and I think that's super important too um but yeah that's how I connect to my Asian American identity at Yale um and at home I mean since right now I'm not really interacting with very many people because of social distancing and because of coronavirus i like haven't seen like any people period, let alone like Asians in this community. So I think, I mean, right now, because of all the current events, I am thinking about my own positionality a lot. And um, what, like I said before, like what I can do to be a better supporter and ally of other um minorities and um especially thinking right now how I can better support black people so I've obviously thought about a lot about my race since I've been at home especially since I'm also taking this ethnicity race and migration course which is um super relevant to current events third question what is something you love about your Asian American identity Ooh, what is something I love about my Asian American identity Like, I don't know how to approach this question, but I guess a lot of the time Asians get this stereotype that we're apolitical. So we're not really involved in politics and social issues. And I think this ties really closely with the model minority myth of, you know, Asians being this model minority, like putting our heads down, working super hard, like 
sort of trying to brush these social issues and like stereotypes and like our racialization like off our shoulders like it's okay we're just gonna focus on our work and like do our best but I think when I think about my Asian American identity it's like it's such a unique position to be an Asian American along this like racial hierarchy in America and like I totally reject this idea that Asians shouldn't be like involved in politics and like speaking out for themselves and their community because that is so so important like yes we should be working hard and stuff but also we can't just be pushed around like we have to stand up for ourselves and that's so important to do and so I think what I love about my Asian American identity is that it's made me think more deeply about a lot of social issues and my positionality and like what I can do to aid my own community and other people of color. And like something else that's kind of related, but I was watching this documentary or this docu-series called Asian Americans that was on PBS. And I, I know I was like, promoting it on the homecoming podcast, Instagram and social media. But there in the docuseries, there was something that really stood out to me. So I remember this uh, person talking about this idea of a good versus a bad Asian. Like, I don't know if you've heard of this, Gloria, but so. so a good Asian is someone like model minority. They work hard. They like put their heads down, like, you know, like, tunnel vision like focused on their work exactly very focused on work not social issues but a bad asian is someone who is like bold and like speaks out for themselves and um is not complacent with the system and um is radical and like being a bad asian is like important to me and like what i try to prioritize and like who i strive to be i guess Okay, so next question. Mm -hmm. How is being Chinese Korean different than perhaps the traditional mixed race slash mixed ethnicity experience? Well, I can't say anything about the mixed race experience um, because I'm not mixed race. I am Asian, Uh, but little plug, I will be having a mixed race series on the podcast Um, where I'll interview like several different people on their mixed race experience. So definitely look forward to that. I'm not exactly sure where it'll fall on the schedule, but it'll happen for sure. Um, I think a unique thing is that I guess when a lot of people think about Asia and Asian experiences, they think it's super monolithic, right? like they just think Asian but actually with like Asia and Asian is like such a big group of people there's so many countries and ethnicities and cultures that are being lumped together and I think so when people when 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 I say I'm Chinese Korean people think oh like it's probably not that different and honestly it probably isn't that different compared to other like multi-ethnic like pairings like multi-ethnic people uh who are asian 
um, because both Chinese and China and Korea are like part of the East Asian uh, group. But so I, I, I'm not necessarily sure like what, like I don't think there's such thing as a traditional mixed race or traditional mixed ethnicity experience. Um, but like we have different foods, like we have different practices. Um, yeah, I'm not really, I need to think more about that. I, I think I've thought a lot more about my Asian identity versus my Chinese Korean identity because I mean being in America if you look Asian you're just lumped into Asian like yeah, no one true. cares if you're Chinese Korean Japanese like any other Asian yeah, country yeah exactly they just lump you into Asian and so yeah I've just thought a lot more about my Asian identity in america versus my chinese american or my korean american identity but like not to say like i definitely like i do feel like i have claim to both of those identities like i am chinese and i am korean as well like i can't like i'm not can't change that really yeah and i'm not like only one of those you know so yeah yeah sorry i don't think that was a real answer but that's i I try my best (laughs) So moving on to the next question, um, why do you identify more as Asian American than Chinese Korean, as you mentioned before? Yeah, so I mentioned this on an earlier episode in the podcast. And like I talked about earlier on in this episode, I didn't find the Chinese or the Korean communities at school very welcoming of me. Like, that's just something I have. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, Hmm. not to say, like, I I have Asian friends. I have so many Asian (laughs) friends. But, like, that, I think, plays a part of it. Um, And also because I think a lot of the times, like, I'm sorry, I don't want to generalize, but just, like, my observation is that a lot of these ethnic groups are more focused on, like, food events, whereas Mm. more Asian American groups focus tend to focus more on social issues because again like when white people see you or when like other people see you and you you look Asian they're just gonna call you Asian they like they they don't they don't know if you're Chinese Korean Japanese they just like lump you into this category right and so I think yeah that's like kind of that's problematic but also how can I spin that on its head and use that to my advantage and like I think a lot of the time I feel like there's a lot of tension between Asian ethnicities and I understand that because there is a lot of history behind a lot of these countries in Asia of just like imperialism and just like a lot of like dark violent history which makes sense um and so I feel like it's so important to bring solidarity among a amongst a bigger group of people like Asians rather than like trying to find like it is important to find solidarity within your ethnicity but also how can we come together as this race and really like use our collective power to do something good and like to support each other and like support other people I guess um yeah and I think being a like identifying more as Asian American is like super powerful to me because when I call myself Asian American like 
I know that there's there's like a history tied to that name. There's a history of student activism tied to that label. And just like thinking about all of that history is like super empowering and like like pushes me to like carry out that mission of solidarity. Okay, so next question. If you could, ooh, if you can magically visit any country in Asia for free, where would you go? Ooh, this is a more fun one. Yeah, we're going to more of the fun questions. Okay. Now. Um, I mean, so many countries. Like, I feel like I've not really been to that many. Like, I've only been to one. Yeah, we've only been to China, like, China and we haven't even gone there in like seven eight years so um so really any country at this point (laughs) but i think our family has really tried to go to korea for a really long time now and yeah it's a process and it just takes a lot to be able to have like a trip and like plan a trip for four people you know because like we all have varying commitments um but so i would say korea because i'd love to i feel like i've I've had some tension with my Korean identity um, and like I've talked a lot with my dad about this um, but I'd love to go to the country and see what it's like and um, you know just like experience it and see where my dad grew up and like how it's and how that probably is so different from the very like uh, new Korea I don't know how to say it like it's it's just new and like technologically advanced and like it's just it just feels new you know um so I'd love to go and experience that and hopefully learn some Korean in the before I go uh but that would be amazing and like whenever you were talking about like tension with like your Korean identity Mm. like yeah I feel like that also because like I know whenever we were growing up we had like our mom's parents so our like Mm. Chinese um, family with us so we were I guess we were a little bit more exposed I guess Mm -hmm. to our like Chinese identity a little bit more than our Korean identity not saying that like there is any there's anything like wrong with that Mm -hmm. or anything but yeah I guess like growing up we kind of had more of a like we were more exposed to like Chinese traditions and values more than our Korean ones yeah no I agree and that's a good point like I forgot to talk about that but uh yeah so like we were we just we were just more like in closer proximity to like Chinese culture I guess because we had our grand Chinese grandparents here a lot and we we know how to speak Mandarin, yeah, um, <laughs> to some extent. To some extent, I, not say we're not saying we're fluent, but you know we we can speak it. Um, and so, yeah, there's that too. Like I forgot to talk about that, but that's a good point to bring up um, as to why maybe I feel closer to my Chinese identity than my Korean identity. And again, like like you said, like there's nothing wrong with that. It's just because it's it's not like I purposefully have done that or like distance myself from being korean american it's just how we grew up and how we yeah like lived at that time we just didn't have the exposure yeah but like we're looking forward to where i'm at least looking forward to like connecting more with that side of myself so yeah okay so this is more of a general question i guess there was only one 
fun question. Okay, well, I mean, okay. I mean, all of them are fun. But yeah. <laughs> um, so the last question is, what are the goals or future goals for the podcast? Ooh, I think actually I've like added on to my original goals. So my original goals, like first and foremost, to give a platform for people who identify as Asian American, Pacific Islander, give them the microphone, like give them the space to talk about themselves and speak and share their life experiences and stories. Because I think I talked about this on the very first episode, but just trying to show that like, we have so many diverse stories and experiences and lives to share with the world and I think giving people the platform to do that is super important also I wanted to be better about like speaking spontaneously because like kind of a selfish reason like I've always had a hard time of like just speaking on 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 the spot because I'm someone who tends to think a lot more and I I have like all these thoughts in my head but I'm not sure how to like put those all like say them all and like vocalize them so that's just that type of person I am but I wanted to work on this with the podcast um but now like I think it's still very important to give Asian Americans the space to speak but also I'm thinking a lot about you know we aren't living in a vacuum we're not the only race in this world in this country and a lot of our history ties and connects with histories of other people of color in this country and other marginalized groups and just groups of people in general in this country. And so I think also acknowledging that and trying to build a sense of support and solidarity with other people on this podcast is important too, who are not necessarily Asian or AAPI. Like I am, for example, like I'm doing this Black and Asian Solidarity episode next week. um, And I'm so excited for that because again, like it's important to talk about these issues and we don't live in a vacuum and it's important for us to uplift our own communities but also think about how we are connected to other people in this country and in this world as well so that's our last question oh okay that's the last question um thank you so much to everyone who sent in these questions on instagram um they were super fun and exciting and insightful and i had a lot of fun uh answering them So thank you so much. And also thank you, Gloria, for asking me these questions and coming on to this podcast. Um, Yeah, it was really great to also have you on to ask me these questions. Uh, Mm -hmm. Any last remarks before uh, I end the episode? Um, I wish I could have elaborated more, like helped you elaborate more on these questions because I know I'm like, trying to figure out my own like Asian, Chinese, Korean, American identity. Hmm. So yeah, no, I honestly enjoyed like listening to your responses because I know they're pretty insightful for like for me 
just because like I don't even know where I stand on that like mm-hmm. my identity spectrum yeah um but yeah um I thank you for having me this was a really nice episode um I've been kind of following with your previous episodes but Dang. I'm I, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to um what you have to bring to the podcast um next and in your future episodes and what you have prepared for your listeners um yeah so thank you so much everyone for listening to this episode again i know that the timing is just a bit weird but i think hopefully you learned not only about who i am but also you know, took away something about what you can maybe do to, you know, just better support Black people during this time and what you can do better to combat your own racism and anti-Blackness. And again, just be on the lookout for my next couple of episodes. Like, I know for sure that I'll be doing the Black and Asian Solidarity episode next Saturday. And then I am planning on having Eileen Huang on the Saturday after that. Eileen wrote a uh, letter to the Chinese American community that's been really blowing up lately. So I'll have her on the podcast to talk about that. Um, But again, please make sure to take care of yourselves because we need you. We need you in this fight. And uh, I will also be posting a list of resources um, on the Homecoming Podcast social media. And remember, you can find us at Homecoming Pod on Instagram and Facebook. So definitely also be on the lookout for that. And make sure that you subscribe and follow and like Homecoming Podcast on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and wherever you listen to your podcast so that you make sure you don't miss out on these really important episodes that are coming up. But I will see you next week. And until then, please take care.